So did you have dinner, Kathy? I did. Did you have keto dinner? I had a wonderful keto dinner. Was it ketorific? It was so ketorific, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> it was ketastic. It was ketolicious. <laughs> ketolicious. <laughs> the following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. And if you don't like it, please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four. Do you feel your sex life is quite lame? Scared that your desires might be strange? Come and join the kinky world of play. An enthusiastic lay. Enthusiastic lay? Oh my God, I would kill for an enthusiast. Get your mind out of the gutter, Boogie. No. Out of the gutter. <laughs> no, it's my only safe space. It's the only place where I get to be myself. Don't the gutter take, is where I sleep, man. Don't take it from me. Hello and welcome to Perverted Podcast, the place where Kathy and I get to live in a gutter, talk about sex, perversion, and the human mind. Recording tonight, well, me from my computer and Boogie is sitting in a trash can with... With Oscar the Grouch, apparently. <laughs> no, I'm in my gutter. <laughs> in the gutter. I am a pig. I was thinking about that because just some of the things I think. But you know what? It's good to be an older pig, Kathy. Uh-huh, it really uh-huh. is. You do less damage as an older pig. Is that your type of pig or uh, the other type of pig? Is it Headley pig? No. I, well, I, I mean, I haven't really delved into the mindset of Headley pigdom. Because there's things I think about, and, I, and not that I want to do things like non-consensual. I mean, those are some darker fantasies, of course, but we keep those in our head. But even just in general with, like, my approach to to dating or finding a lover, you know, even if it's just something that's real temporary because I'm not really capable of anything else, there's still things I have to, in my pig mind, I'm like, yeah, 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 fuck them. And then in my kind of more grown-up pig mind i'm like yeah i don't know in the bigger picture someone might get attached and how's that gonna work and what do i blah 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 what do I, you know so in general i don't know what the fuck i can do i think that you want to get laid and your uh the wisdom that comes from age is starting to rear its ugly head and try and tell you not to do that but i say boogie go for it embrace the pig in you and just go fucking get laid Perverted podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> if you're in the Los Angeles or surrounding areas and want to date a pig, I'm there to oink. I'm there to make you squeal for me. We'll be pigs together. A little oil. Oh, God. I, I concur your sentiments. I want to get laid, too. I just need to be fucked, and I want to get fucked. And uh, you'd think that a woman, even a fat old woman in this day and age, would have no trouble doing that. But surprisingly, not so, not, not so, Boogie. Uh, I think that I don't, you're homeless and you don't have a place to fuck. And I am in a tiny room in a house with other people and can't really find a place to fuck. So I think in that regards, we're, we're both, we both have nowhere to fuck. We're both old and we're both fat. There. Well, we have the internet. 
So even if we don't have a place place, I mean, you can always claw together 85 bucks and get a motel room. There's all the, you know, online deals that you can get to where you can get a room for like a hundred bucks and at least have like your own place. Like, I think I would do that. I mean, not that I, I could do that all the time, but I think once in a while for sanity purposes, if you find someone, if they don't have their own place. Get a little motel, make a special occasion, you know, treat yourself. I don't do shit for myself. I will get a cheap ass motel on one side of the building, get you another one on the other side of the building. So I don't have to hear any of your squealing and we'll go to town. How's that? <laughs> okay. That sounds like a great plan. Do you have any victims in mind? I because... may have a couple, but it's a, it's a stretch, but I'm... I, you know, I'm I'm willing to do the legwork to find myself a a man or a woman with a strap on. I'm not picky. Okay. All right. Good. Fed life is the place where unicorns play, but then they fuck each other in the ass with their horns because that's the kind of freaky shit that happens on Fed Life. Like for your peace of mind or some junk. Please know that the author of every post we talk about has specifically granted us permission to do so because we're awesome. Valley girl. He's a valley girl. <laughs> Bakura is a valley girl. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You are so happy. I Look, am you didn't so have to, happy. You didn't have to say the intro, Kathy. You made I a request. The intro. Yes, exactly. And Bakura just stepped up to the mic several times. And sent us what, like eight different recordings, like eight, eight different, different accents. Yes, this <laughs> was my favorite. Valley girl is a valley. You know why I like this one? Because I grew up in the valley during the eighties. I was as in high school. did I. Indeed, I did as well. And and so surprisingly, though, I was not a valley girl. I was totally into heavy metal. So that does, even though I pick up, I mean, you just heard me go. I was into heavy metal. So. Yeah. I was yeah. an that. <laughs> it still oozed into your veins. It. Yes, the accent is there. <laughs> but let us now get into the magic and my annoyance and my 10 pages of hate notes. All right, here we go. This is a post written by Kitten Belongs to D. It's called Almost Cancelled. And she says, at work, I wear my day collar. It locks on and only my master has the key. I also frequently wear my cuffs, which are not visible under my work clothes. About two weeks ago, I received a call from someone in my organization, and they asked me questions about conversations I had with a coworker almost a year before. One of the statements that this individual made was that they knew what my collar and cuffs meant and that they, quote, didn't agree with that lifestyle, end quote. Those words play over and over in my mind. To think that I could lose my job or experience any type of disciplinary action because someone didn't agree with my lifestyle outside of work is beyond belief. Lucky for me, the organization I work for only asked me to remove my cuffs at work. Lucky for them, they didn't ask me to remove my collar. I am willing to censor my conversations and remove my cuffs. I absolutely will not remove my collar. Out of concern, I expressed this to my direct supervisor, and they assured me that they would not ask me to do that, as it was just a necklace. And yet I can't help but wonder, what would it take to get there? What if someone said, it makes me uncomfortable? 
What if someone said, I feel triggered by it or upset by it? Each time I give ground, I'm losing part of myself. How many people have stood in my shoes and had this same conversation with themselves? When do I stand up and say enough is enough? When do I refuse to change who I am to cater to the whims of others? Yeah. I almost it's feel so... like you and I are going to just not see eye to eye on this one. We're we're not because it takes a couple different types of archetypes to make humanity humanity. If we all thought the same way, um then we would all be the same way and that wouldn't be that much fun. Um so you and I absolutely see things differently and I don't know if we're going to be able to get into why but uh, it pretty much comes from birth to hear for each of us we have a different point of view that we've developed those points of views over our entire lifetimes and our goals as a human being our goals as an individual the things we have discovered about ourselves for some people this is not a big deal this is not a big issue so what take off your collar so what be you know you have to lie at work and you know that's just part of it you got to protect yourself and for some people it is an actual, just an affront to everything they have tried to be as a person. So it's very, very personal, and it's very, very hard to get past that. And that's, you know, without speaking on your behalf, that's the conflict that this issue has with a different number of people who are kinky and have to make decisions about how much they share and how much they protect themselves in order to keep their jobs and their lives against uh, still a very large portion of our population who would shame us right out of a fucking job because they don't like who we are. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I I still don't actually hear what your what what your stance is. My stance is I've I have spent my whole life. I lived a lie in religion. I lived a lie as a child, protecting myself from, you know, that whole craziness and confusion. I spent my entire life trying to develop uh, who Count Boogie is as a human being, not with titles and little boxes that I put in, you know, myself in. But as an individual that I try to be with a character and a personality, and yes, a sexuality is a massive part of who I have worked on being. And it's, it's so inauthentic for me to be around people that I have to lie to because I'm very empathetic and I, I, I obsess on voices that I hear where it's like, you like what I do, but if you knew who I was, you would literally have me fired. You would have me tarred and feathered and thrown out of your life. Some of you would be okay with me dying. Right. And I have to stand in front of you right now and pretend to suck your dick because you're the one that's too insecure to deal with who I am. I'm not throwing, I'm not telling you to bend over and, and let me do stuff to you. I'm just being who I am when I'm with my partners. Right. But you are so insulted 
by who I am that I have to lie to you to protect you. Otherwise, you're going to try to fucking bury me. Fuck you. Right. Well, we're actually surprisingly closer than I thought we would be on this one. Oh, Um, well, very good. Yeah. Um, There are you of all people will will freely admit that there are um, some severe consequences to taking the kind of stance that you take, which is. Absolutely. Fuck you. I would rather live on the streets than than uh, have to keep a job in where I have to keep my mouth shut about who I am. And this one's a tough one for me because I actually don't feel that way. Uh, there is a lot about me that I will not give up. So on, on that point, you and I are very, very similar. Uh, fortunately for me, the stuff that I will not give up is not against the law and is not really considered to be marginalized in any way they're everyday things they're the way i see uh politics in this country they're the way i see um our bill of rights and what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do it's not really my kink because my kink although a big part of me is not everything i am if i were somebody like our poster who felt that in order for me to be my true self i need to wear uh, a collar all the time I'd have a lot of very difficult decisions to make because I don't, there are things in my life that I'm not willing to give up. A place to lie my head at night, a comfortable uh, daily existence and where I'm not terrified of where my next meal is going to come from or where I'm going to be that night. I've had a small, tiny dose of that. And frankly, I don't know how you do it, Boogie. You have a lot more resilience than I do because I'm not willing to give that up. And I feel fortunate, frankly, I feel fucking lucky that my kink and my sexuality doesn't require me to show anybody out in the world who I am. Because I actually have no desire to talk to people about this. I have no desire to let them into my bedroom, to let them into my lifestyle. I don't need to tell people that I'm polyamorous. I don't need to tell them that I I like to uh, submit sexually to my partners. I I don't have to tell them any of that. And this has been a tough haul for me because I've had to decide what place the podcast itself has in my life. I was just going to say that. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't have a need to what you mean at work or something like that. You're not talking in general because we are talking. Yeah. To people right now. That's exactly (laughs) what I mean. All right. Let me finish. This is exactly what I mean when I say, well, I'm fortunate in one way that this podcast doesn't force me to make a decision. I love this podcast. I love the listeners. I love the the effect we have on people. This would be a no-brainer if this podcast allowed you and I uh, to make an income out of it, and we did. And then I could afford to say "fuck you" to the world. But until that time comes, I have to be careful of where I work. And so yeah. if it ever got out, I, I also feel fortunate just like the poster does in that I, I work for a company that isn't going to freak the fuck out. In fact, they could probably not care less. But uh, if all you'd have to do is tweak my circumstances a little for me to have to do an entire overhaul of my life. So I feel for the poster because you, you do have to ask yourself, just like she does at the end of the post, uh, at what at what point do I start losing part of who I am? When do I say enough is enough? These are questions that everybody 
in life has to put up with. If you're gay, if you're marginalized in any ways, not just kink, if you're in any group in which you can't, which cancel culture can rear its fucking ugly head, just like she says in other parts of, of her post that, that I cut out and fuck you over big time. That is a tough time in your life. And it require it is not an easy thing to go to. It is absolutely what I would define as a crisis of conscience. And I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So I feel for her and, uh, I hope frankly that she keeps us, keeps us apprised of what happened. And I'm not talking about with her work. I'm talking about with her. I would be very interested to know how this changes her in any way, or is she able to get past it intact with herself feeling as she's a, still a whole person and hasn't given up any of herself. That would be very interesting to me. I think this really hits me um, kind of in the eyes a little harder than it would normally because last week I cut 20 minutes. There was a short show last week because I talked about something and and you chastised, you castigated me. Uh, and, uh, see, look, I'm using vocabulary words that we've done perverted vocabularies on just, just letting you know. So, cause I asked your opinion and I gave more details than I'm going to give right now. Um, but I'm in a situation where I have an opportunity to help out in something with somebody, um, that could open up doors for me in other areas this individual doesn't have a problem with who I am. They know who I am. They love what I do. Um, but the people that they are working for would absolutely lose their shit if they knew what type of person I am. So I have to completely go into that situation and pretend I am someone else. I don't even get to have my own name. So, um, and, and that is as it goes into this. It's a, I, it's just an icky feeling. Yeah. It, for it makes me feel, it, it just makes me feel like I've always, you know, maybe this is going in like, and, and, you know, I'm looking for a new therapist. I had Hathor discharge me so I could go look for another therapist. So maybe I, I need some work right now, but I just, I'm so hanging on by a thread in so many different ways. Psychologically, it's like, the person that I want to be is Count Boogie. The person that I work at being as an entertainer, as a talk show host, as a as a person that shares my experience with people, that really is all I have right now. I'm not really I'm not dating anybody. I don't have a I don't have a place. I don't have a lot of things that give you a sense of stability and normalcy. So the only thing I don't even really talk to a lot of people throughout the week other than myself out loud um, in the library with all the other crazy people. Um, <laughs> so, so when I have to all of a sudden change who I am, because I know every, and this maybe goes a lot deeper for me because literally Kathy, I have not had a single relationship out of all the relationships that I've had. I've never had a single relationship with a woman where I didn't have to either lie or completely not even exist to the families of the people I've dated. 
Never once, not one. And so I've always had this like, like I feel like fuck your shame. You know, I'm always rebelling against that shame feeling that I'm a bad person for being kinky or for things that I've done in my life. And it just, uh, it's just such a sick feeling whenever I'm faced with that. I don't know. I really, you know, (laughs) it shouldn't be a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal, but it kind of is to me. It is it, it it that that line that that goalpost where we put it is in different places for different people, and for yours it just happens to be there. There there is a line beyond which someone will say enough is enough. I I can't do anymore, and yours happens to be pretty darn close to you. It's not that far away, and and it requires you to make a lot of sacrifices. Frankly. I'm surprised that you cut out. I didn't think that you would. I mean, you asked me my opinion, and that's where you and I tend to get in trouble is when we give each other our opinions about what the other person is doing in their lives. Well, I. But you asked me, so I, I told you, and I was like, oh, Boogies, I haven't even listened to last week's show yet, so I didn't know that you had cut that stuff out. But at, at some point there, we've talked about the hierarchy of needs before. We, we've talked, you and I about the sacrifices sometimes that you have to make and that some sacrifices are big and some sacrifices are minimal compared to the, the work that you're uh, compared to who you really are. They're, they're sideline gigs that don't really cost you that much. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that this opportunity that you have coming up is a sideline gig that is not really going to define the quality of your life to the extent where you can't do it anymore. Because as you said, this is temporary. It's not it's not a it's not going to be forever. Right. And it has the potential to give you massive opportunities and that's where my line often gets erased, rubbed out and moved over when the opportunity and the benefit you gain for, for it so much outweighs any uh, detriment to yourself that the decision gets easier for me. It's temporary. It's not that doesn't a huge part of your life. You know, suddenly the choice gets easier for me. Yeah. And it's just but you have to also look down the road, down the road, down the road. What is this going to lead to this? And what is this going to lead to this? So the situations like I'm going through right now with this opportunity are not that big. They're good. And they have a potential to maybe introduce me to people that can then do this and that. It's very all preliminary. I mean, I'm doing the thing and I'm doing well. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's worth it. At, at down the road, it's, I don't know. That's a tough one, yeah. I don't know. I, I would love I would love to have a job and get paid. I mean, I'm not even getting paid for this fucking opportunity. So there's a part of me that's just like, Pleh. Whatever, and I want to talk to my fucking family. Perverted Podcast is my family. You are the only people that I talk to every week. And so there's a part of me that wants to talk openly and be like, oh, this is cool and blah, 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 blah. But no, you really just can't. No. You really just have to understand that people just don't get who you are and fuck them. Thanks a lot, Kitten Belongs to D, for opening up a sore wound between me and Boogie. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I blame her entirely. Yeah, it's her. It's her. Yeah, it's the, the sore poster, wound. Yeah. yeah. The person who graciously allowed us to read her posts. It's all her fault. 
this entire show is literally torture death by a thousand small cuts this is pretty much (laughs) (laughs) this is just one one of many things that challenges us but i think it was a great post and i really do hope it works out for her and i know we i bambled a little bit but but uh, I love this post. It was, it's good to think about who we are and what we're willing to sacrifice to be who we are. Perverted mailbox. Take one. <laughs> <laughs> and action. <laughs> All right. We have... Um, couple of emails people sent us. People do listen to me, Boogie. When I they ask do. for emails, they send them. I'm very happy. I have one today from Subski69, who says, Hi, Kathy. Just wanted to let you know that I love the show. I started listening a few months ago. I have a 50-minute commute. I started episode one, and now I'm on 70. It has helped me. It has entertained me. Also, Wanted you to know how sexy I think you are. Your voice and your personality stirs me. I know you probably get a lot of these. I am officially a Kathy Groupie. Boogie, I get so many of these, I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm just inundated by fan mail. (laughs) And you can't get dick. That's the funny thing. (laughs) Kathy, if we could literally, if we could build the goddamn transporter. If we could build it, Kathy. I know. You, you would have all the dick you want, and I would have yeah. all the lovely vagina that I want. That's it's true, spread out. What? It's spread out. My voice and personality stirs him, Boogie. I've never stirred anybody. Thank you, Subski Six. That actually made my fucking day. All right. You're you're a stirrer. Here's a here's a, a love letter to you. Are you ready? Oh whoa. Well, I'm ready yeah. to hear this. Uh, Dave in Denmark, our, our friend, friend of the show has written to us and said, my local King club has a convention every year. And if you guys were interested in visiting Denmark, you are welcome to stay with me. Isn't that, that's to you. Okay. But because you're always saying you want to move somewhere. Oh, I do. All right. He says on to the second point, Boogie, you are talking about your erectile dysfunction. Well, I actually owe you a debt of gratitude. Why you ask? You once told of your honesty and openness about it, telling play partners, if I don't get an erection, it's not your fault. There's nothing wrong with you. Well, I adopted the same openness and tried to perfect ways of pleasuring my subs. I am no longer ashamed of my dysfunction and I accept it as fact of life. My point, not sure there is one other than we do listen. You have an audience. You have an impact. Kathy, get your fat life sorted out and take the world by the horn and kick some butt and a shout out to fellow listeners in Denmark. That, that, that is a great, that it, I don't, I, you kind of built me up that this was a love letter. That was a support letter and a it's camaraderie not, letter. A, oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. You're well, reading you too said, much vocabulary. You said, said oh, a love letter for you. <laughs> and I'm all of a sudden like sitting there like twitching in my chair going, yeah, yeah. And you're like, Dave. <laughs> it's a dude. <laughs> Dave in Denmark. You Can't guys you are bonding. Take over, the win? You, you guys are bonding over limp penis, you know, dealings. I'm like, oh, that's not wow. exactly hot, but, but goddamn, I am uh, not just. I'm validated because I think it's incredible when you hear that your vulnerability 
and openness and good evidence towards things working out good for you influences someone else. I am so excited and honored that um, we do this show and that we talk the way we do. And sometimes it's very ugly and embarrassing, really, really embarrassing. The most humiliating and embarrassing thing in my life is, is my issues with my erectile dysfunction. And when I hear that it helps other people too, because it's actually a pretty normal thing, especially when you start getting uh, a little older, um, that's great. That, that puts value, that puts value on what we do. So I am very, very happy that, uh, that we could be there for our Denmark listener and that he now sees the benefit of that honesty up front. I think that's fantastic. I hope he gets yeah. amazing amounts of vagina for it. <laughs> amazing amounts of vagina. And then share some with me. But like as a bro, dude, in separate rooms, you know, we'll high five through a hole in the wall. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, I'm not into the whole uh, MMF thing. I'm just not. I'm like, ew, fluids. I don't like girl fluids, let alone guy fluids. I would go fuck oh a Oh, my slut, God. Kathy. We are I would totally so... Uh-huh. No, I would totally because one of my things is when I play with myself at night, I watch a lot of like glory hole and objectification types things because my real life sexuality is all about the experience of my partner and creating that whole thing. And then I feel powerful and whatever. But when I jerk off, I'm like, dude, I just want to come and go to sleep. So I look at stuff where I just completely use someone like a glory hole or going and finding someone who wants to fuck anyone. Um, I think it's amazing, but it's just, yeah. If, if you're fucking someone that has, you know, a hundred partners, they're going to be filled with all that cum, And that's disgusting to me. Right. Huh? Interesting. So how do I work that out? Like, do I come in with my own douche and I'm like, Hey, totally not slut shaming you. I just don't like, Dude fluids. Can I just rinse you out here? Can I just give you a little quick, quick, you know, just quick, 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 quick. Um, is that what it's? <laughs> this is why I'm a pig, Kathy. This is why I don't do things that I kind of want to do because I don't want to hurt people's feelings or have them get the wrong idea. It's not that I don't like the fact that you're open and with your sexuality. I just don't like dude fluid. Right. You're surprisingly fragile and worrisome about what other people think you're just I, now I, getting that's this not the, that's not the image that you project i hope you realize that well it's called a dichotomy or a cognitive dissonance or whatever there's a part of me where where i'm like that's why women like me is because i can take control and i know what i'm doing but if you take me out of my element i just curl up and i'm like get the fuck away from me. i don't want to talk to you i don't want to be near anybody so, yeah, there's an incredibly insecure and fragile part of me. Like, duh, have you not been sitting here with 327 episodes with me? Oh, my God. Like, you don't even know me. Oh, now let's not start the waterworks, Miss, Miss, Missy. <laughs> I thought we were, I thought we were tight. No, we're not tight. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> you haven't been tight in a long time. Ow! Oh, the, hey, don't be dissing my labia or or my vaginal canal, okay? Oh, I'm sure at this point you are literally, you could put a pen cap in you and feel girthy. It's been so you know long what? since you, what? Surprisingly not, which is actually a little upsetting to me because I think I've talked about this on the show, but 
my vagina tends to get very sensitive and start bleeding easily. So even though I want to get fucked really hard, I whoever whichever guy I'm with, I have to make sure I tell him, you have to get to know my vagina. She's very sensitive and very picky and very fickle. One minute she's fine and the next minute she's bleeding. First of all, don't get upset. I mean, I'm used to having that conversation. I'm making light of it now, but I actually have to have that conversation with people because they have to understand that sometimes my vagina just decides to start bleeding no matter what, and I don't know why. So now, is that a girth thing? Like, you are you of the type of vagina that doesn't need a massive penis, or is it just that it just the the skin is fragile? Right, the skin is fragile. The inside of uh, I mean, it's just very, uh, very sensitive, very uh, tender. Like if you fuck it really hard, uh, it will tear and get some abrasions. And I don't know if that's normal because I haven't heard other women talk about this that much, but for me it is. But also for me, I hate, absolutely hate having my uterus touched by a guy's penis. It is very, very painful to me. It's like, whoa, that kind of painful. Like, stop what you're doing. We're stopping right now because that really fucking hurt. It's that, it's it's like, I don't know how else to describe it, but so, and it doesn't, I, surprisingly, I don't have a very long vaginal canal. So you could be an average guy and you'll touch my uterus and I freak the fuck out. So there are certain positions where it's harder for my uterus to get touched. And uh, I I enjoy those positions, which is a good thing. But uh, I much prefer girth to length because that's actually what does it for me. Sure, sure. That makes sense. So when you say, okay, I'm going to be a dumb guy. Okay, you can do that. I fully believe that you are. Okay, well, good. Then we're Uh-oh. not surprising. At least you know me this way, <laughs> fucking bitch. Um, when you, you say touch way. my uterus, I have actually don't think I've ever heard that. I hear cervix, like don't touch my cervix. Well, the cervix but... is the opening to the uterus. So, I, you know, oh, it's a technicality. So it's, it's, okay, okay, cool, cool. So I'm yeah, not yeah. a complete idiot. You're just using a no, different lingo. Not. Yeah, that's my uterus. You're touching it, but you're technically touching. um, You're bumping the surface. Opening to it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool, cool. Is Geeky World News a social enigma? I don't know. Let's ask Enigma. He should know because he's got the same name. Enigma, are you a jukebox hero? Yes, I am a jukebox hero. Do you have stars in your eyes? I do have stars in my eyes. Do you have a fever of 103? I hope not. Jesus Christ, why am I (laughs) listening to classic rock music? (laughs) During a plague, even. Jesus. Hey, Enigma, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a little while. It has. You were busy. I'm hoping that means you were busy up to some shenanigans. In in a certain way, and it, it actually uh, loops into one of our articles today. Um, I was busy working on a movie project, as many do here in LA, and it was a um, I can't say too much about it because you know NDAs and all of that. But it was a very um, simulated sexually explicit scene Ooh. in a major motion picture. You, uh, me, I know it. it it's wait, weird. wait, 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 wait. Meaning you were in the sexually simulated scene or you were just working on the set? So I was hired to be a part of it. Oh, but I, 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 but I, I did not get to participate in any of the 
specifically sexual situations, but I was a uh, a very obvious observer. <laughs> you were your your title is Swinger Eleven. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It, it was interesting because I, I was there as my, um, uh, you know, as as my vanilla self, and so it was very weird to be walking around and seeing people in in like no clothes and in like BDSM gear and not introducing myself as Enigma. <laughs> like that, that sort of like code switching in my head. It was just, it, it, it was so hard not to. You're doing like the Jesus fish in front of them to identify yourself, to see if they make the sign back with the top part of the fish and the bottom part of the fish. Yes, exactly. Oh, so did you didn't get to bro finger anybody then is what you're saying. I did not get to bro finger anybody, but uh, this past weekend I did get some really fun impact scene. Okay, good. Um, and giving or receiving? A, uh, giving. Very good. Um, and then it was kind of a surprise, like not quite, uh, like it technically counts as pickup play, but it was with uh, somebody that we that was friends with before. Um, and then afterward, there was definitely like dirt, uh, like some like a connection, Ooh. and we ended up making out in the parking lot for a little while. Okay, um, this is good. These are good things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once again, yes. Enigma getting much more play than I'm getting. <laughs> like, literally, I'm so lonely. I'm in the library right now. Mm-hmm. And I got butt hurt because in one of the aisles, there's like these two teenagers and they're practically fucking in the aisle, you know, in the book. I like sneak behind and they're like totally mm-hmm. making out. And I swear to God, I looked at it and I'm just like, I almost walked over and been like, hey. If you don't have enough to share with everyone in the class, you put that candy away. <laughs> exactly, and I, I don't, I don't mean to rub it in too much, but I did find out that I have more groupies in the perverted podcast world. Um, God damn it! They, they, they. One of them recently joined the uh, the server, our Discord server, and I, they, they were, they were very much like, "You're, you're the Enigma," and I went. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then she just starts swooning about my voice and how they love my voice, and then like a few other people chime in. It's like, oh no, I really like your voice, Enigma. And then I had to like throw in like a voice recording of me saying hi to all of them. And wow, was... look at you working mm-hmm. it. Well, Boogie, I mean, d- just from based off who is interested in my voice, we have to make it to the Netherlands soon. Oh my god, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Not only do they have the weather that I dream of. Right, right. They have so many amazing kinkter, kink, kinkters. They're, kinkters? They're kinters. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's probably some weird, you know, weird type of camel or something. But mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so many people around the world that are getting into perverted podcasts. Really, really exciting. But what's really exciting is you had two topics today. One, uh, I'm going to say not so happy. No, no, not And not the so happy. other one, definitely that positive news that we like to see out there in the mainstream world. So why don't you start with the unhappy news first so we can all be sad, and then we'll be happy. All right, so our first article it comes from www.stuff.co.nz. This comes out of New Zealand. And the article is called, Man Dies After Solo Kink Act Goes Wrong. Yeah, a, uh, a man suffocated after being unable to free himself from a homemade device while masturbating. Um, the death has sparked warnings from the coroner uh, to be aware of the high risk involved in um, suppressing a person's breathing. Uh, apparently, this was something the man had kept private from their partner, um, who found them later that evening and had no idea of the man's interest 
or of the device that they had made for the act. Uh, a counselor they talked to echoes what I think a lot of um, solid kink educators and us uh, would say. Make sure there is somebody present when doing breath play just in case. This is, I mean, we hear it every year. Mm-hmm. Every year people die uh, doing solo kink. I mean, people die every year doing coupled kink. Uh, things yeah. go wrong. And that's why we use the term risk-aware consensual kink. And it is the personal responsibility of both parties involved to do the research to know what the actual risks are, not just say, oh, this could go this, this could go this. No, actually, your responsibility is to do thorough research, not saying you're gonna, but I'm saying your responsibility, if you are involved in something, is to assess what the risks are before you partake in that activity, whether it's just by yourself or with a partner or with multiple partners. That is our public service announcement. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's a tragedy. I mean, it's a tragedy. You know, there's a part of you that gets a little numb to it after this many years of hearing these stories uh, year in and year out. And then there's even uh, almost some ambivalence and snottiness where there's an urge to be like, dumbass, you know, but But let's get past that and get to the reality that this is somebody. The tragedy is, is that the partner had no idea. Right. Why? Why is that? Why do we live in a world where somebody who is into a kink or a fetish that may or may not be dangerous doesn't feel that they can share that with their partner? And if they could, if we did, which we'll get into in the next story, which is the good news, Mm -hmm. if we did live in a world where we could have these conversations, maybe that conversation could have been had between those partners and there could have been more safety put in place. Right. Yeah. And and we were we talked about this a little bit on our discord. Um, It actually sparked a, a small little conversation and like especially with breath play like there's a reason why most or I don't want to say most but a lot of dungeons basically outlaw breath play is because of how risky and how quickly um, things can go wrong like one of the things that came up was like what about a vacuum bed it's like no like even with a vacuum bed you're still taking away somebody's oxygen and, you're, and their ability to breathe properly so even if you set up a timer like there, there's, there's not really a solid um, 1 plus 2 equals 3 method of knowing when somebody's going to pass out from lack of oxygen. So setting up a timer, even that isn't necessarily something that is um, th- that is going to be fail-proof. Yeah, the timer thing is just complete stupidity. Because I'll tell you what, man, I know people that can hold their breath for five minutes. I can hold my breath for about 40 seconds. No, what am I saying? <laughs> 12 seconds. I suck <laughs> at holding my breath. I grew up in Los Angeles in the smog in the 70s. My lung capacity is about the size of a pen cap. So setting a set anything on time that says, "Oh, this is what the, you know, this is what you should be able to handle." I've heard that from people. That's the dumbest thing in the world. And it doesn't mean anything in regards to if you have pre-existing medical conditions that you may or may not even know about. Right. If you have a propensity towards stroke or heart attack or any number of things that are affected when you stop blood going to the blood oxygen going to the brain. 
that's what right. these risks are. It doesn't just mean you're going to suffocate or choke to death. It could be a stroke. It could be a heart attack. It could be any other number, an embolism. There's, there, You don't even know. Right. There are so many things, and that's part of the risk aware that a lot of people still don't talk about because it's sexy as fuck to choke someone. Yeah, like breath play is considered uh, it in in a number of ways one of the one of the most popular like kinky things for people to do. But like, you can't just go up and wrap your hand around someone's throat without knowing what you're doing. Yeah, and even if you do know what you're doing, you have. And we yeah. talk about this all the time. Every time this happens, we have the same speech, the Jay Wiseman speech. You know, for those of you who don't know, Jay Wiseman's like, you know, a pioneer in BDSM safety and literature and stuff like that from the old days. And and he used to go and speak as a expert witness in trials for these types of accidents to try to explain the kink and the BDSM and the physiology. And he says the same thing every time you heard him speak. Juries are very, very unfriendly with the defense that the person was into it. Yeah. So, oh, they died, but they were totally into it. So I should just be able to walk free. No, it just doesn't work like that. This no, is a it... this is a real risk. With a spanking, the risk is much lower. There's not a lot of people that have had heart attacks from a spanking. Right. There's not a lot of people that have choked to death on a caning or a flogging. Breath play is an extreme edge play because of the unknowns. And yes, they may be rare. And yes, you may be in martial arts and be a super expert on how to choke people out. And they do it in mixed martial arts every fucking fight. I understand all that. Mm -hmm. But there are unknowns here that you can't mitigate. Because you don't know. If we knew, then great. You could set a timer or you could say we could do it for this long or that and you know. But there are unknowns with this type of play and you need to know what you're doing or know what your risk is. And everyone says when their fucking dick is hard, yeah, it's cool. It'll be fine. But <laughs> when you got to pay that check. Yeah. It's sad. I think it's really sad. most sad to me was the fact that the partner didn't know. Oh, yeah. Like... Because I've heard yeah. this before in another death. There was another death where um, the partner, actually in our area, there was a death. Um, and the partner knew the person was kinky but wasn't really involved in any of the details. And, and it was just like, you have no, as a loved one, you're completely powerless in that situation to have any say or influence or maybe suggest safety lessons or a little more research or finding it like David Carradine, the same thing. David Carradine was rumored long ago. I had family members that worked in Hollywood and they worked with him on the Kung Fu and they knew him for years and they're all, yeah, he was always secretly and everyone made fun of him because he was into all that bondage kinky stuff. You know, and he would like tie himself up and then, you know, and people would kind of make fun of him because it wasn't accepted. You were still a freak. Mm -hmm. And so what happened? He died. Yeah. He died in solo bondage. You know, so if we can't make this more commonplace in our conversations that even if you're not into it, it's okay for you to be into it as long as we do our due diligence to try to mitigate your chance of dying doing it. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's sad, but that's... It's, yeah, I, I, I think if you're gonna, like... I, I, I've been in sort of connections before where it's like, 
uh, like relationships before where the partner's partner was like, eh, just don't tell me about it. You can do whatever you want. Like, okay, that's that's great. But like, don't you want to know if your person's doing risky things and if like you should be paying attention? Like, I feel like, like, okay, maybe you're not necessarily involved in the play, but that doesn't mean you should be completely disconnected from the from what risks are possible and um and at least be like aware that those things may happen i think if you're gonna be in a partnership with somebody who's not necessarily involved in your kink that's fine but your partner i think should be knowledgeable about what you're doing just in case i think so once again comes back to more communication in that relationship and more creating those environments where you can have those conversations because maybe there was a complete fear in this mm-hmm. that maybe they tried to have the conversation and maybe the one and I'm just speculating I don't know if the person's somehow magically fucking listening and starts crying because you know I'm, I'm making some assumption maybe they weren't supportive maybe the person mm-hmm. tried to tell them that they were kinky and they judged and shamed them or gaslit them mm-hmm. you know so we all have a responsibility to take our fears and our ego and our insecurities and the things we don't understand when we're in a relationship to try to understand that regardless of how we feel about something, if our partner or loved one has a feeling and a thought and a desire for something, you can't change that. That's what they're into. Yeah. So wouldn't it be better if you built a foundation of good communication to where there was acceptance and understanding, otherwise they're just going to do it behind your back and then you're going to come in and find them dead. That's the extreme case. But guess what? It does happen. Oh yeah, it does. Like, like this article. Yeah. Every year, every year we hear it. So let's move on to how to better create that situation where people feel more comfortable talking about kink. Yes, let's do that. So our next article comes from Insider.com. And the article is entitled, The Woman Who Choreographed the BDSM Sex Scenes in Netflix Bonding Explains How She Makes Consent Sexy and Pulls Off Wild Stunts. Olivia Troy was an intimacy coordinator before the role had a name. The position didn't really have a name until 2018 and the whole Me Too movement, specifically in the Hollywood world. Uh, She was brought on for season two of the Netflix show Bonding to help encourage and teach about consent specifically within the BDSM communities. Uh, Troy's personal relationship with BDSM, Shibari, and other leather bondage um, techniques make her expertise unique and perfect for this show. Um, To get ready for a scene, Troy will talk to the actors privately, going over their limits and comfort comfort levels. Uh, Then she passes that info on to the director. They use that to craft a scene that will work with the story and with the actor's um, specific interests and comforts. Uh, she wants to do away with the trope of violent and painful BDSM experiences, often portrayed in media like Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, so I, I personally have seen the show Bonding, both season one and two, and I wouldn't say that it's a great representation of BDSM. <laughs> but is it better? But, but season two is actually a lot better in the representation season one really just makes bdsm the joke and and just kind of makes fun of it like it's it's not really taken as seriously as it should i think 
but in season two, you definitely see like the you see kind of how uh, not great the characters are, but you see like that there's the the BDSM and like that world is a lot stronger and it's a lot less of the joke and more of the a part of the character and a part of who they are and a part of who other people in the show are. I think this is really interesting. Here's why I mm-hmm. think this is really interesting because this is like bigger picture stuff. And I think it's a good example mm-hmm. that you see a difference between season one and season two. The whole Me Too movements and people coming forward and saying that we're not going to tolerate sexual harassment and we're not going to tolerate people raping people and getting away with it. And especially when we're dealing with Hollywood and celebrities and things like that. One of the benefits to the BDSM lifestyle, the people that are kinky and want to be kinky and out and have better information so we can avoid things like we talked about in the last thing. One of the benefits is as we keep pushing consent, 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 you're going to see more of a shift in what people want to see in entertainment. Because where there used to be kind of this mentality, it's like, oh, all rough sex is non-consensual. What are you talking about? Of course they're raping each other. You know, that's just Mm -hmm. that's just part of movie magic. You know, and it was just something that was accepted and accepted. And as the culture kind of starts seeing, as we've heard real stories, especially like men have heard more stories of all the horrific things that women go through on a daily basis uh, under the anger and aggression of men. And I don't mean to be a man bashing thing, but I'm going to man bash a little bit right now. Okay. What we're now seeing as more people understanding that consent is an important part of sexuality, which sounds comical to us in this lifestyle because we, a lot of us, rely on that and have found great treasure and great ability to do more than we've ever done in kink because of that consent. So I think it's interesting how we're seeing that evolution in what we're presented with in media where it used to be all rapey and you know kind of archaic mentalities towards sex right and now we're starting to see that upshift yeah we are and um i think with shows like this who are that are trying to do um better i think that's definitely going to give a better portrayal to the general public I, I will say that like it's definitely not a perfect system. Um, like I was saying in my potatoes, um, I got to work on a set where there was a lot of sexual things happening, and because it's more of a mainstream movie, that we did have an intimacy coordinator on set. Um, and while and we did have those same conversations, um, we they we actually had like a specific rehearsal day where everybody who was specifically hired to participate in those acts were brought together and we were we talked about consent and we talked about um the boundaries of the movie but also how uh, nothing that we didn't want to do would be pushed upon us so so someone was like hey we we want you you and you to all like you know get naked and sit on each other's face like if somebody's not comfortable with that then that was you know that that was a a hundred percent not going to happen right uh but at the same time um there's there's still a lot in hollywood that is overlooked 
like there were like it wasn't involved in the direct like in the actual sexuality that was going on on set but like there were people uh who were also in the in the extras who were being very inappropriate with the with the specifically with the women who were you know scantily clad or who were naked and you know there were people there that were there the entire time we were shooting like every single day even after like several women had come forward and be like hey they're not like you know groping me but they're they're being very inappropriate they're making very inappropriate comments and so like i think this is a great start especially for filmmaking and how a lot of things you know get kind of swept under the rug in filmmaking especially when you're coming to up to like sex scenes because they're in, in in no movie are they you know 100 percent sexy they're incredibly awkward like to film but the the process is is needs to happen in a broader sense um and it's not just about what's happening on camera and i I think that's kind of where uh, a new problem is popping up it's like yeah the intimacy coordinator is helping with about helping with the people who are on camera but like what about the people who are behind the camera right and the people who are off camera so that i think that's it's it's a good to uh, push in the right direction but it is it's it needs to be a little bit broader um and i'm not saying that it, 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 it can't be men but this specific intimacy coordinator was a a man and so like i think men in general have especially in entertainment have kind of been almost trained to kind of let some stuff slide because that's the way uh, you, you know that's the, the the quote of that's the way things are and and there's not much that they can do about that well i mean you shared a lot of amazing points that i think people don't think about the behind the scenes stuffs and absolutely hopefully we're working on a place where the environment on set can be more appropriate and not only do they have an intimacy coordinator but they also have uh you know basically a dungeon monitor to make yeah, sure basically. that people aren't being creepers, you know, to the talent. And a lot of that stuff never existed. That stuff never existed in the past. You know, you were just told. And this is something that you also have to kind of accept that no matter what, this is going to be really hard to get past. If the director wants someone to sit on someone's face mm-hmm. and they say, hey, in this scene, I want someone to sit on someone's face. And you say, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. They'll say, absolutely, that's fine. Thank you very much. But we're going to hire someone that'll do that. Oh, and yeah. that's just and... the reality. That's just the fucking reality. The director has a vision. They've asked. Now, then, what we're hoping to get through is that those conversations are all happening up front. Right. So the actor can then make a better decision and not be like right on set. And now, cause I've had that on set where people change their mind and they're, Oh no, let's try this. And you're like, I'm not comfortable with that. Cause I've, I've been, I guess you would say intimacy coordinator on a couple video shoots, uh, that were at threshold. And then people are asking for this and I have to say, Hey, this person didn't have a chance to agree or disagree with this. So if you're doing this, that's actually a consent. And they're like, okay, fine, we'll do it another way. But in a bigger thing where the director's maybe more stubborn, it's they want the shot that they want. Right. And so they're just going to, you know, so hopefully the personal responsibility on both ends is that we empower people to walk away from jobs. Yeah. Because I have. 
I've walked away from jobs because I didn't like what I was told to do. And that's just part of it. If somebody has something that they want done and you don't want to do it, then they're going to get somebody who wants what they want. The goal is, is that this stuff is negotiated up front so that people don't invest themselves so much and then be caught off guard or be caught into peer pressure or those situations which have happened a million times in Hollywood where they're like, well, I, you know, I guess I'm going to, you know, last tango in Paris and just uh, tolerate it. Right. You know, it's crazy. This is a, I mean, this is kind of new. This is a good new direction. I think we're headed, but obviously I agree with you. There's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and my my criticism is because of the movement and because of the positive things that are coming out of it. Like if we can do if we can do good in this area, then that means that we can do good in other areas. Wiener monkey seafood buffet. Seafood buffet. Big monkey wieners got cat to thinking about dick all day. Hey there, this is Varalitur from Reykjavik, Iceland. In short seven weeks, I am a pee-pee Sam. Thank you so much for this trip of self-discovery you have taken me on. Kathy, I wish you could hear how unbelievably attractive you are to me and so many others. And Boogie, I got a daddy who wears fake Crocs and lives in his car. So, I guess it's the daddy way. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Bye. Bye to the tour. Bye. We're saying that wrong. I know we are, but she is absolutely lovely. That was a beautiful message. I I really enjoy hearing from our listeners. I, I can't tell you how much I lament the loss of the phone, the phone line that we used to have where people used to talk to us. But that was a lovely, lovely message. That was, and now that you feel that you've gotten to know uh, Varlatur, um, which is by far the hardest name we've ever tried to pronounce on Perverted Podcast. I've tried saying it. So, <laughs> it's hard enough for me to say Reykjavik, which I don't even think that's correct. But, you know, <laughs> Icelandic is not an easy language No fucking it, to just pick up. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to go go down to the you know adult school and pick up some Icelandic like you got to be Jesus Christ. But you know what? Here's what I'm thinking. Languages where there is a lot of intensity in what you have to perform to get those words out. I'm thinking the oral from people who speak Icelandic has got to be off the charts. Of course you would go there, Boogie. Of course. Well, of course I would. Could you imagine, like, it's like, forget the alphabet, just speak Icelandic while you're sucking my dick. That's got to feel amazing. Oh, my God. Can we listen to the actual orgasm now? Wait a minute. I'm starting to build myself up here a little, little bit of Please a fancy. Please don't build yourself. I, the thought of you sitting in the library building yourself up, quote, unquote, <laughs> is too much. <laughs> Ooh, cute chick just rode by the window. <sighs> We celebrate your voracious sexual enthusiasm And titillate our listeners with your featured orgasm That's right, baby (sighs) 
Said my name. She said my name. She's a bad girl. She's a bad girl. I've got that song in my head now. <laughs> my God, you are you are loved she's, by many. She totally she's so adorable. She, she totally. I I kind of got a little sexier vibe than adorable there, but yes, that was definitely an adorable orgasm. And she did say your name. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm ending the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is the end of show three. You know, Kathy, I just, I just want to <laughs> say how entertaining it is that in one swoop of a, in a scale of like literally a week, you have gone from someone who is hideously insecure to someone that all of a sudden is like, hey, I'm pretty damn fucking hot. I'm the belle of the ball here. Everyone wants Mama JJ. Like, I, I like the transit. Perverted podcast listeners have turned you into a goddamn monster. Listen, as much as I love the listeners, and please keep sending us these emails because they're hilarious. I haven't gone into the breakthroughs I've been having in therapy that have been fucking brutal and I feel like I get kicked in the butt in the gut every fucking week. But I have had some tremendous breakthroughs in terms of my self-esteem and I think I'm very happy to see you say that because I was wondering if it would come across at all. And apparently it has. So thank oh, you. Oh, it's coming me. across. It's coming across. <laughs> and I joke about it, but it is wonderful, Kathy, to hear you find your awesomeness has been something that I think a lot of us uh, in perverted podcast land have been hoping for you because you are amazing and you do deserve to look in the mirror and see amazing. So that let's not get mushy and just go ahead and end the show and then we can, you know, suck your dick later. (laughs) Please visit us at Patreon.com. Jesus, hold it together. Perverted podcast. And consider supporting the show by contributing five bucks a month. That's Cinco Dolares, ladies and gentlemen. Cinco Dolares, if you give a fuck. But I shall go on. Please write to us at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com. You can also write to us on our FetLife profile, appropriately entitled Perverted Podcast. You know, Perverted Podcast is just everywhere. If you want to find us on FET, that's Perverted Podcast. If you want to find us on Patreon, Perverted Podcast. Twitter, Perverted Podcast. I and on. I mean, I don't even need to say this anymore because we're just Perverted Podcast. Perverted Podcast Infinite. Yes, indeed. We are all the places and we keep this show free thanks to our patron supporters and the, the masses, the world that all now worships Kathy as they should. Um, and I'm just very excited. It's been a fun show today. And uh, thank you to Enigma for jumping in. Thank you so much to Varlatur 
for an amazing message and a wonderful, beautiful, sexy, very needed orgasm. And of course, thank you to Bakura for cheering Kathy up. And uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see you guys. We're, let's just do this again next week. I want to kiss you so much, so much. My lips would get pucker stuck. I might look funny, but I'd be so happy that you're in my world. They'd send in doctors from all foreign nations to undo my pucker stuck. They'd be perplexed as to how lips could stick just by kissing a girl.